This is Jeremy and Kristen with the Homegrown Family Podcast, practical resources for resilient families. Today we're going to be talking about a personality test called the Enneagram. This is a personality test that we've come across maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. Does that seem about right? Yeah. But it's been really helpful to us over the years to understand each other and and our kids and some of our relationships. And it's become pretty popular in the mainstream uh, as of recent also. So Kristen, why don't you give us a little history of the Enneagram? So the Enneagram has been around for a long time. It's an ancient personality test. And sometimes when people hear the word ancient, I've heard some Christians refer to it as being satanic. And so we just wanted to spend a minute here talking about our interpretation of that. And we personally believe that it does not stem from satanic roots. And here's sort of why we think it's not satanic. So it has tremendously helped our relationship with each other, with our kids, and with other people. And I heard someone say once, the good of all nine numbers makes up the character of God. So we all get a piece of God's goodness. The Enneagram has nine numbers to it, and everyone falls into one of those nine numbers. And so I like that idea of it takes all personality types to make up and show the beauty and the goodness of God. And so we think that if it's helping relationships with each other and building up families and pointing people to God, that it cannot have its roots in uh, satanic culture. Yeah, and I think the outcome of the exercise is really what points to that, like you said, Kristen, because if, um, if it's something that we think is good, that does not go against biblical teaching and uh, brings about goodness in our lives, it would seem that that is something that is beneficial and from and maybe even from God. So the word Enneagram itself is made up of two Greek words, Enea, which means nine, and Grama, which means written. And so, as Krista mentioned, the Enneagram has nine numbers to it, and we're going to just briefly go through those nine numbers. And as we go through the nine numbers, you may find yourself relating some of the nine numbers to prior personality tests you may have taken. Kristen, do you want to talk just briefly about some of those that we've uh, come across over the years? Well, just two tests I wanted to mention quick that I was familiar with was the colors test and the four animals test. And in college, we did a personality test with the four animals. And then many years ago, I was introduced to the colors test. And I love personality tests. I like learning more about myself and how I can relate to people. But I struggled with these tests because when there's only four, my number does not fit in one of these four boxes. And so um, I really loved the Enneagram because it finally gave me my own little box that I could relate to other people. And that really explained a lot about why I think and do the things that I do, whereas I feel like these personality tests that only have four boxes per se are just too broad. And so uh, the Enneagram is can be really complicated. We've been studying this for years, and I feel like I'm still learning something new all the time about the Enneagram. So we're going to try to keep it simple today, but there's a lot more complex parts to the Enneagram than just you are this number and this is why you behave this way, whereas I think other personality tests just simplify it way too much, which can be good if you're trying to learn about yourself. But if you really want to learn about why you think and do what you do, I think the Enneagram has been fantastic and really fantastic for understanding why other people 
act the way they do and how I can improve my relationships with them. Yeah, and I think that's the key right there is, uh, as you've said over the years, the key to the Enneagram is that it, it really reveals our motive behind why we do the things that we do, which is, of course, uh, what's really helpful in relationships to being able to communicate uh, more effectively with each other or to be able to effectively influence other people um, if you know sort of their motive for the things that they do. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and work through the nine numbers just uh, briefly here, Kristen. So I jokingly said to Jeremy, for those of you who know anything about the Enneagram already, I'm going to start with the ones today. I'm not starting. The books always start with the eight and go eight, nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I was like, we're going to start with the ones today. And then I was like, well, as I'm thinking about it, I'm going to talk about the three triads. And so I have to start with the eights. So you lucky eights, we always start with you. But I guess the reason is because of how they're broken up into triads. So the Enneagram is broken up into three triads. And the first one is the anger triad. It's also called the gut triad. And this is the numbers eight, nine, and one. So type eight is often referred to as the challenger. And these are people uh, with an aggressive personality. A lot of times they're in power. They seem strong, impulsive. What else would you say about an eight? They like things their way. They have their way of, uh, they have their ideas of how things are going to be done. And that's the way they're going to be done. They do not like to be controlled. Next up is the nine. And type nine is often called the peacemaker. So the nines are able to see things from everyone's point of view and they like peace at all costs. They often will sacrifice maybe what they want in order to make everyone happy. But they also have a side to them on um, digging in their heels uh, when they don't want to do something. Type one is often called the reformer and the one type uh, finds worth through being good, wants to be perfect is a doer, likes things to be right, likes justice. So those three numbers, the eight, nine, and one, are in the anger triad or the gut triad. The next triad is the feeling or heart triad, and that's the numbers two, three, and four. So type two is also uh, often called the helper, and twos like to help. They seek approval and love through meeting the needs of others and sometimes will deny their own needs in order to help others. Type three is often called the achiever, and they're very success-oriented. They like to perform. They like achievement. Um, Sometimes they're called the chameleon of the Enneagram because they will often conform to other people's numbers in order to achieve or succeed. Number four is called the individualists, and type fours often have intense emotions and are driven by their feelings. They like to be unique and want to feel special. Sometimes these are the artsy types on the Enneagram. And then the last triad is the fear or head triad, and this is the numbers five, six, and seven. Type five is called the investigator. These are the researchers. Oftentimes they're more quiet, kind of caught up in their own head with a lot of thinking. They like to have knowledge. They like to have information about everything that gives them security. The next type is type six, which is often called the loyalists. And sixes are very committed 
and they're very loyal to you, but they also are often thinking of the worst case scenario. So they're often able to bring to the table um, something else you maybe haven't thought of or something that could go wrong that you hadn't thought of. And then type sevens are called the enthusiasts and they are fun and spontaneous. They are pain avoidance. They like to get thrills out of everything in life and what's the next best thing we're going to be doing. So those are the three um, triads and the nine personality types. And this is a super, super brief description of each one. There's a lot more in depth that I could say about each number. And that will probably come out as we're discussing some of our relationships here in the numbers that we are. But that's just a very, very brief description of each number. So uh, my number is a one and Jeremy is a seven. So my number likes things in an orderly fashion. I'm a doer. I like to do without thinking get things done. Jeremy likes all the things. He likes fun. He likes spontaneity, adventure. So I think we even each other out, but it has really helped us understand each other in relationships. Yeah, Kristen's often the one who will, uh, you know, we'll go on. We we mentioned in a previous podcast that we would go on these, um, our anniversary trips or whatnot, and um, I'm just looking forward to going out and having fun, and Kristen will always schedule in uh, a few hours of serious discussion about our lives, our year in review, our budget, what we're doing for school the next year, and all these things that I could frankly do without. And it's interesting on these vacations, uh, one of the th- one of the components, uh, more complex pieces of the Enneagram is that when you're in health or stress, you will often go to a different number. So as a one, when Kristen is in health, she actually goes to a seven. So when her and I go on a vacation somewhere together, it has to be together without the kids. Well, you actually, you go, on to, you go to seven almost on every vacation, I suppose. But when we get Kristen out of the house and out of her daily routine, she'll often leave a lot of her one habits at home. And she'll kind of move into Jeremy fun seven mode for the vacation until about the last day. And then she kind of goes back to her one mode. So what's interesting about that is when we go on vacation, I'm already a seven and then she kind of goes into seven mode. So we just have a grand old time usually when we're together. What's interesting for me though, is when we go on a family vacation and we've got the kids all around, I'm more in a stress mode. So I will revert to uh, the number that I revert to in stress, which is one. So when we go on family vacations, it's interesting because Kristen basically goes into Jeremy Fun 7 mode with the kids and we'll go sit out by the pool and not worry about a thing. Meanwhile, I'll go into stress mode, which puts me more into a one personality type, which is kind of Kristen's normal uh, state of being at home. And I'll be the one doing all the dishes, sweeping the floor. I'll be stressing about what we're doing next. Uh, And I have a hard time being in my fun seven mode when we're on vacation with our entire family. So I just want to mention that this stress, going to health and stress with your numbers, every number has a number they go across. And this is hard to explain, not in a visual format. So look this up. But every number 
Um, the Enneagram is a circle, and you go to a different number in health and a different number in stress. This doesn't mean you become that number. It just means you take on some of the characteristics of that number. So even when we're on vacation, I am still always going to be a one. Your personality does not change. You do not change types. Your personality type is often developed by the time you're 18, although even with some of our kids that are under 18, their personalities types have become very obvious before 18. Or you want to be a little careful trying to type your kids when they're younger because they might feel compelled to conform to a certain number or, you know, their personalities aren't, you don't know when their personalities are going to kind of stop developing, right? So you're technically, your personality is not fully developed until you're 18. The other thing I want to mention about that is you really should not walk around and type other people because personality types, the Enneagram really comes down to you deciding your number because it's about your core motivation, not your actions. You may behave a certain way because of your core motivations, but your actions may be similar to somebody else's number and you act the same way, but for totally different reasons. So it's important to find your own type and we'll talk about how you can find your number here in a little bit and also not to type other people including your kids for the most part we've had some open discussions with our teenagers about it and it's kind of funny because they all um, our older three definitely fall into um, certain numbers and types that they think that they are and that we're also in agreement that we think that they are as well and just how that relates to our family and how we all interact with each other it's very interesting So let's talk just briefly here about what did you learn about me and my core motivations uh, that helped you once you sort of – because I remember when – because you you went through the Enneagram some months before I finally did it. Uh, You you held me hostage in the kitchen and and made me – forced me to do the test with uh, you online. And um, it came up that I was a seven and you're like, of course – and what let's let's talk a little bit about some of the revelations you had uh, when you realized that I was a seven. So finding your number can sometimes be harder than it appears. When we were first getting started, I had no idea. Like reading through all these, I felt like I didn't fit with anything. And once I finally figured out that I was a one and started listening to different podcasts on ones or reading books about ones, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, Jeremy um, refused to take any of the quizzes or read any books. He did not want to be put in a box. And I'm using that language Hmm. because that's a seven. And I had no idea until after we finally figured out, um, after just reading multiple, multiple things, that he was a seven. And once he figured that out, he fully embraced that. And I remember him like two days later uh, texting me and saying, this Enneagram is for real. Like everything I'm reading and researching on it is so legit about who I am. And that's even funny with his personality because he goes to five in health, which is researcher and likes information. And so he just couldn't get enough information about the Enneagram once he embraced that it wasn't like putting him in a box and keeping him from opportunities. So knowing that he likes risks, he likes fun, he likes adventure, he doesn't like everything to be the same, that helped me a lot with just understanding when we come to the table and make decisions, why we make decisions in the format that we do. So I remember when we bought our house, which and this is the same with like when we buy cars or 
larger purchases, I will look at like two or three things and then be like, all right, this is the one I want. And just I'm done. I don't want to think about it anymore. Let's just do it. And Jeremy will look at like a hundred options, research everything about them, and then um, usually end up on the same page as me on like, okay, that first one, yep, okay, let's go ahead and buy that. But he needs a lot more time to research and think about it. And we often joke, or I often joke about myself, that I'm a doer who does without thinking. And um, some of the other people in my family are thinkers who won't do. And so just knowing that about each other, I think has brought a lot of light to our relationships and how we interact with each other. And instead of getting so mad, like, let's just do this. Why can't we just move forward? It allows me to give him the time to research for a couple days. And then he feels like, okay, I have all the information. And then, all right, now let's proceed with what we were gonna do. So I think that's been really helpful. So let's flip that around. What are some things that you've realized about me as a one that has helped our relationship or helped you interact with me? Well, I think um, one of the big ones that I've realized over the last few years is that, well, you like to use the words thinking repressed and emotionally repressed. Yeah, so let's real quick talk about that. That is coming from a book by Suzanne Stabile, and she's written a couple of books on the Enneagram that are just phenomenal. And the third one she wrote is called The Journey Toward Wholeness. And in that, she explains that each number has a stance and each number has something that's repressed. And so this creates a different kind of triad. And so for me, the ones, twos, and sixes, we're all in a triad together where we are thinking repressed and our stance is dependent. So we're dependent sort of on, this is where I feel like a chameleon when I'm talking to somebody, especially if they're an aggressive personality, I will lean in towards them and um, tend to depend on their stance and follow their, their thinking. The threes, sevens, and eights all have an aggressive stance and they are feeling repressed. And the third triad is the withdrawn stance, which is fours, fives, and nines, and they are doing repressed. So it's really interesting when you add that component on to understand why people come across the way they do. So I always thought some of the three sevens and eights in my life were so mean, like just talk aggressively to people, you know, they drive aggressively, they don't care what other people think. But the truth is they they just come across as this is how I think and I'm not afraid to talk about it. And because they're feeling repressed, they're not tiptoeing around to try to avoid hurting people's feelings, which I actually really appreciate because I like honesty and integrity. So I like people to tell me how it is and then I will figure out how to deal with it. And so I think that's been helpful in some of the aggressive stances that I have relationships with on why they behave the way they do. All right. So just getting back quickly to your question about how uh, this has helped me understand you, I think one of the ways that it's helped me is it's forced me to realize that I can beat you in a thinking argument that we might be having. Uh, So if... I can justify and rationalize things to you faster than you can even process what I'm telling you. And so if we're having an argument, 
about something um, and I'm just throwing information at you, you can't really process all that information that fast and it makes you feel like you just lose the argument. And I know we have a, one of our kids can do this to you also. And that's helped me understand that I need to step in when we've got we've had experiences where, you know, maybe one of these kids is taking an aggressive posture towards you and, and how they're arguing with you uh, to tell to help them understand that they need to back down because that that's not the way that they're going to win an argument with you. And I'll step in and begin to help you, you know, with your side. So on the other hand, as you mentioned, I've got some feeling repression and I know on instance, you've just wished that I would get angry about something where I'm just like, I don't really care, but why don't you give us a little more information about that? So I joke with Jeremy now that we've learned that it's so easy to make make fun of the thinking repressed people. It's a little bit harder to make fun of the feeling repressed people. But that brought a lot of light to me on Jeremy being feeling repressed because I have known him for 25 years. We dated a long time before we got married. And I have seen him cry about five times in our entire life. And it's just really interesting when I'm really upset about something, he's very even keel, which is great. That really evens us out, and I actually need that. But sometimes I've said to him over the years, way before we knew Enneagram and not understanding any of this, I wish you would get mad and fight with me, or I wish you would cry with me or show some kind of emotion that you just care one way or the other. And now knowing this, I understand that he's not purposely trying to avoid emotions with me. He just has a hard time feeling having feelings. And this is true for all the triads. I mean, the the doing repressed, they have a really hard time making themselves do. They'll spend tons of time researching something or they have a lot of feelings, but they can't move forward in the doing department. And so we all have an area that we're repressed on. And I have a friend who says to me sometimes, all right, we're going to bring the thinking up for the thinking repressed people, which is me. And the same is true of all of them. Let's bring the feelings up. Let's bring the doing up. And so we all have an area that we need to work on. And, you know, that's been really helpful with Jeremy and I's relationship on where each other's weaknesses are and how we can help each other and relate to each other even through those weaknesses. Yeah, it's even been interesting. Uh, this whole podcast probably wouldn't have happened if, you know, we didn't have the combination of our personalities because was this my idea, I think? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this sounds like fun. <laughs> we should do a podcast. And I've got enough doing in me that I, you know, could throw together a website, figure out how to do all the podcast stuff. Um, but after about episode two or three, I'm like, nah, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. But we got the doer on the other side of the table here who uh, every week. What are we podcasting on? We're going to podcast on something and, uh, you know, we come up with a plan of what we're going to podcast on. Actually, the dreamer, which is the seven, had this idea to do the podcast and um, was like, "Okay, we're going to do this podcast. He puts together this website and we record the first one. And then it just sat there for like six weeks. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm out. I'm not doing this. If we're not going to put this thing on the air or or publish this thing and move forward, I'm out because I am a doer. So I do not like just having ideas and just sitting them. If you ask me to do something, if you come up with an idea, I'm on it. I'm going to do, do, do. And like I said, I tend to do without thinking. So Jeremy is a great um, asset to me because he brings up my thinking and he helps me think of things that I would have never thought of. 
and I help him do. And so I think um, we're a great combination. But there's a lot of numbers that really complement um, each other, and that's for a whole nother day. But yeah, but it's not just being complimentary. the The other side of the coin on that, though, is that sometimes we're in, uh, we're unaligned from each other mm-hmm. because you know we'll think of some thing we want to do or something, but maybe it's a two month out thing, and that's you have a hard time with that. With yes, we're going to do this, but we have to wait two months before we can do it. Well, a few weeks later, you're like, it hasn't happened yet. I'm I. You know, I have a hard time staying excited about that. You speaking for you? Yes. Yeah, I lose interest when we're not moving or there's not action towards it because I'm thinking repressed. I don't want to sit around and think about all the details. I want to just do it. Yeah. So um, let's talk about any other relationships that stand out in your mind that knowing the Enneagram number four has been helpful over the years. Yeah, so my brother is an eight, and he and his family, actually my whole family, I have two brothers and my parents were all really into the Enneagram. And actually both my brothers are eights, but one of my brothers and I have really butted heads sometimes over the years. And I think the Enneagram has been extremely beneficial for our relationship in that I used to think that he was always just such a bulldozer and just mean. Well, now I realize, okay, he has an aggressive personality. He doesn't want to be controlled. I think he felt like I was always trying to control everything with the family where my doer personality can't stand just sitting around doing nothing. So if we went on like family vacations and stuff, I'm like, all right, this is what we should do. Here's the plan. Let's do this. Let's get the kids together to do this. And uh, I think he felt like a lot of times I was making all the decisions and trying to control him and get him to do things a certain way where I just wanted to get the ball rolling and not be sitting around. So I think both of us have learned a lot about each other's personalities. And that has really helped us to be more understanding of why each of us does the things that we do. And so that's been good. Do you want to share about any personalities of our kids and how we've related to them? Yeah, so let's not share maybe about all of the kids, but our oldest is 18, so maybe we'll share a little bit about his uh, personality type and maybe leave the others uh, off for now just because their types may still be developing. And while we have some ideas of what they are and uh, what we know about them is helpful for relating to them, uh, why don't we talk about Levi for now? Okay, so Levi is a nine, and we've suspected this for a very long time, and he would definitely say himself he knows that he's a nine, and that has helped him, I think, in understanding himself as well. And so my motto for him is the more I nag, the more he drags. Mm -hmm. So um, if I need him to get things done, like for right now, we're starting to pack up his room for college. If I just come at him as like, all right, let's get started on the room, he instantly shuts down. Like, nope, Um, because he takes in the world through doing, but he's doing repressed. The three, six, and nines are kind of a tricky triad because they take in the world through um, their part that is repressed. So, for instance, nines take in the world through doing, but they aren't doers. They're doing repressed. Sixes take in the world through thinking, but they're thinking repressed. And threes take in the world through feeling, but they're feeling repressed. So it's hard for Levi to do. And by the way, nines also have the least amount of energy of any number on the Enneagram. So sometimes their nickname is the sloth. And we all have our downsides to our number. Um, So I'm not putting the nines down. That just is a 
common nickname for nines. So nines are awesome though because they can relate to lots of people. They see things from everyone's point of view. Levi's super laid back. He's easy to talk to. I really appreciate about him. You would think that a nine, because they don't like conflict, that they would be pushovers and they are not pushovers. And this has been something that I think Levi has brought to light for me in the last couple of years because as I've been learning about the Enneagram, I kind of thought maybe nines were pushovers because they're peacemakers, they don't like conflict. And while that may be true, a lot of conversations I've had with Levi in the last couple of years is him coming to me and challenging me with an idea that he knows goes against what I believe in. And so I think they're not afraid to have those conversations So Jeremy, let's talk a little bit about how somebody could find their number. So tell us a little bit about how you initially figured out that you were a seven. Okay, well, I know when I figured out my number, we had a test that was online that you had come across that I think you had maybe done. I can't remember, but uh, I know you had been wanting me to do for a while, and we eventually did it, and I'm pretty sure that came out as a seven on that test. And then I think you had some other resources maybe that we looked at, uh, that maybe a book or something that, uh, you had me read uh, some sections on the seven to see if that resonated with me. I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of my favorite books that I was initially introduced to is called the road back to you. And in that book, it talks about each number and has a list of for instance, what it's like to be a one, and then it has a whole list of things. Um, And I like that book. It wouldn't necessarily have to be that book, but even just a list of that particular number. Because when you find the number that you are, it's going to feel like somebody's reading a page out of your diary. And it's going to feel kind of uncomfortable to read because it is calling out some of your weaknesses. And so I think that's a really great way to check your number There's also an app that I like that's called um, the Ennea app, E-N-N-E-A-A-P-P. It's like green. And there's a free version that will give you all nine number descriptions. But then there's a paid version for $2.99, just a one-time fee. And it goes really in-depth on the wings and your growth and stress numbers and then it has these different subtypes that we haven't even talked about today and then you can click on what numbers interact well with other numbers and how they might interact with each other so that would be another really helpful resource yeah and uh as you and i were talking i think off air a little bit ago um figuring out your enneagram number is a bit of a journey it's uh a process of doing something that makes you think you're maybe something at one number and then confirming that or not confirming that through additional uh, research. And funny enough, the different numbers may actually be more interested in trying to figure out their number more than other numbers. I think we've joked in the past on the way a certain number approaches and takes maybe an online test in and of itself is indicative of what number they actually are because ones will maybe get right at it and just take the test and, you know, maybe a seven or a nine is going to not want to take it or not want to be put in a box or just be lazy about taking it or take it slowly or really think about all the questions, whereas maybe a one or an eight might plow through the questions and finish the test extremely fast. 
so we see it as a journey, and this is sort of an introduction to um, what the Enneagram is and hopefully giving you some insight into how it might be helpful in your relationships. Yeah, there is so much more that we have not even touched base on today when it comes to the Enneagram. This is just a very brief overview. But in this last like three-year journey of us figuring out our numbers and how we interact even within our extended families and their numbers and even friends and their numbers, it's been so helpful in the relationships of understanding why people do things the way they do and maybe having some grace for each other on why we feel, think, do things the way we do and maybe some of the things that we all struggle with. So this is really just an introduction to the Enneagram and an encouragement to you in your relationships on how you can connect with each other and how you can see the goodness of God through the Enneagram. And as Kristen mentioned, uh, she's very fond of the book, The Road Back to You, so we would highly recommend that as a resource for you. And you can simply uh, just Google Enneagram tests if you're trying to find an online assessment that will maybe give you an indication of what number you are as a start to sort of your journey and understanding you a little better and then beginning to understand others. But I just want to reiterate one of the things Kristen said earlier. It's important not to begin type casting all the people in your lives because, you know, I mean, everyone's got different personalities and what you think they are may not be actually what they are. And and this is more about discovering you. And then as you learn more about you, you can develop more information about how you're relating to the people in your lives. And some of that will lead towards understanding, helping other people in your lives understand their personality or Enneagram numbers uh, as it relates to yours. And, And hopefully, you know, the goal, of course, is to improve relationships and to just build stronger relationships. With that, I think we'll wrap up this episode. Thanks for being with us today. For more resources, check us out online at thehomegrownfamily.org.